If you have a Bible, I want you to go to Acts chapter 3. We are in our series right now called Us For Them. Keep standing. Don't sit down. I don't know why y'all sit sitting down. You're going to have plenty. You're going to have like, you got like an hour and a half you can be able to sit down while I preach today. So <laughs> right now the Ethiopian church is going, how long does he preach? I, uh, Pastor Tess, hang on. Can't we be dismissed? Oh, we are so honored to have you guys here. Um, so grateful. I just looked at Laura and I go, when you guys were singing, I was like, this is the craziest thing ever. I, I, we're, the journey God has had us on as a church has been amazing, and we'd love to have you here as our, as our brothers and our, our sisters in Christ, so we're glad you're here. Can we give them some love again? Come on. So we're in our series called Us For Them. The world is all about us versus them. It's uh, whether it's political or racial or sexual or, or uh, spiritual, it, it's us against them. And, and what's so crazy is to see it creeping into the church and that the church, sometimes we have this us versus them mentality. It is not supposed to be so with God's people. It is us for them. We are four people. It's, it's right there in our vision statement. We say it every week at the end of our service. We'll say it again today. At the core of who we are is loving God and what? <laughs> loving people. And that's not something we just pulled out of a hat. It's not something we said, hey, that sounds really good. That sounds slick. That would be a good marketing campaign. No, we said this is, this is foundational to Scripture. Jesus gave us the great commandment. And everything in this church is foundational on the great commandment. Matthew chapter 22, Jesus was asked, what's the most important thing? And he said, well, here it is. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind. And a second is equally important. Love your neighbor, say it with me, as yourself. Love God, love people. And out of that, foundationally as a church, we have these four core values. Our church is built foundationally on that scripture. And these are our core values we've been looking at these every single week in this series. We do this every year during our anniversary. We revisit these to remember, oh yeah, this is who we are. Can we say these together? Hope for the heart is found in Jesus. Healing for the soul is found in Jesus. Peace of mind is found in Jesus. And purpose in the world is found in Jesus. I love our core groups right now because if you're not in a group, you got to get in a group because they've been going through what we call our eight core practices. It's slick and it's cool and it sounds great to say all that, but to try to live that out every day, not easy, is it? Come on, turn somebody, tell them it ain't easy. It ain't easy. So we have these eight practices that we believe. There's not six, there's not five, there's not ten. If you want to follow Jesus, there's eight things that we're all supposed to be doing, and our groups have been looking at those. They're going to look at them again uh, this week as you go into your groups. Because our word for this year, uh, that if you were here for Vision Day in January, the word that God gave us is this word engage. And we are to engage the world with hope and healing and peace and purpose. Like, we're not just a Sunday church, but we are the every day church, every day taking that out into our world. So today we, we land on our fourth core value. Today I want to talk about how we are for purpose. So Acts chapter 3. If you're new to the scriptures, maybe you're new to church, Acts is a great book to read because it tells the story of the early church. Like how did this whole crazy thing get started? 
So in Acts chapter 3, we are so early on, this, the church has barely been birthed. And if you don't have a Bible, I encourage you to download version. And if you're on an app, uh, I read out of the New Living Translation. So Peter and, and John are a couple of Jesus' disciples. If you're new to church, they were a couple of Jesus' disciples, and they are a couple of the leaders in the church. And it says this in verse 1, Peter and John went to the temple one afternoon to take part in the 3 o'clock prayer service. Man, let's have a 3 o'clock prayer. Let's go till 3 o'clock. Anybody with me? Hallelujah. You don't mean that. You do not mean that. I don't even know why you're whooping and hollering. So if you don't know this, the Jewish custom and practice was to pray three times a day. They would, so those that were surrounding Jerusalem, they would go to the church. They would go to the temple in, in the morning. They would go again at noon, and they would go again at night. Like, not church one day a week or once a month or every other week. Like, church three times a day. Talk about the everyday church. As they approached the temple, a man lame from birth was being carried in. Each day he was put beside the temple gate, the one that was called the beautiful gate, so he could beg from people going into the temple. And when he saw Peter and John about to enter, he asked them for money. Peter and John they looked at him intently, and Peter said this, look at us. man looked up, expecting some money, but Peter said, I don't, I don't have any money. I am broke, <laughs> which he was. But I'll tell you what I do have. In the name of Jesus Christ, the Nazarene, get up and walk. Then Peter took the lame man by the right hand and helped him up. And as he did, the man's feet and ankles were instantly healed and strengthened. And he, he jumped up. He stood on his feet. He began to walk. Then walking, leaping, and praising God, he went into the temple with them. Father, thank you for the way your spirit is moving today. Thank you for being in this room. And we ask now that your spirit would help us in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. amen. You can be seated. So it is well documented on this stage that I am not a DIY guy. Uh, in fact, most of my DIY projects end up DOA. So that's it. I, I'm, not, I'm not saying that for the sake of humor. That's just really the truth. Some of, you, some of you guys and some of you ladies, you have that gift. You have that ability. God, uh, when he was handing that out, I, I, he skipped me. I did not get that, but I come by it because of poverty. <laughs> Any homeowners speaking, you know what I'm talking about? You come out of by, by that. And so recently, um, I needed to put a handrail uh, on, the, on the steps of our house. And so I got this handrail. And I, I called a, a DIY guy, and then he, he told me uh, how much it was going to be. And I was like, I can figure this out on my own. And so I, I was like, how hard can this be? And so I got, the, got it out, and I'm like, oh, man, this thing's like in nine pieces, but I can figure this out. And, and I get it kind of assembled, and I put it on the steps. I'm like, how, how hard, seriously, how hard could this be? That you drill, there's one post, you drill four, four holes right here. A second post, that's it, drill four holes right there. Done, easy. So I, I mark it, mark all four holes. I get my drill out, and, 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 I, and I begin to drill. Now, hang on, because let me stop, because some of y'all, some of you guys are like, oh, hey, wait a minute, what kind of drill are they? It's my story. Let me finish my story. Some of y'all are like, I know where this is going. So I got this drill, and I recognize and realize I'm drilling into concrete. This is not going to be easy. So I, I've got a good drill bit, and I'm like, Ten minutes later, I drilled an eighth of an inch. 
eighth of an inch. Stop. Let me finish my story. So be like, I'll tell you what he needs. I know what he needs. I know what to so I drill like an eighth of an inch, and I'm like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get this thing done. By this time, my, I'm not kidding you, my thumb was paralyzed and had no feeling in my thumb whatsoever. I look down, and the drill bit is glowing. It's glowing. I'm about a, a half inch in, and I pull it up, and only half the drill bit is there. The other half is down in the hole. I'm like, that's not, but you're not supposed to be in there. It's supposed to be in there. Come out, little birdie. Come on. That was when I went to YouTube. <laughs> you know, if you don't know what to do, you go to YouTube, right? I mean, that's just what you do. It's like if you feel sick, you go to the Internet, right? And then you discover all the way down the line, oh, my goodness, I have this horrific disease and I'm going to die tomorrow. So that's kind of how YouTube works. So I was on YouTube and I was looking and this one guy had like 2.9 thousand views. And I'm like, nobody's listening to you, buddy. So, because you don't watch those. You look for the ones that have lots of views. And I found some guy had like 800,000 views. This guy knows what he's doing. And so I watched this video and he goes, all right, so here's what you need. You need yourself a hammer drill. And so I'm like, okay, I need to get my hammer and my drill. So I go back and I come back. It's actually a hammer drill. All right, so I, 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 I go, oh, and this guy drills these holes in like 30 seconds. And I'm like, oh, that's amazing. I need a hammer drill. I said, Laura, I'll be right back. I'm going down to Harbor Freight Tools. So I go down to Harbor Freight Tools. I pull in the parking lot. Immediately, I am intimidated because they're going to know I'm a fraud. The moment I walk in, they're going to find me out. They're going to know I'm a fraud. It's like, like some of you, remember the first time you walked in church, you're like, they're going to know I'm a sinner. They're going to know it. They're going to figure out. They don't know what I'm doing. I'm raising my hand, but they're just going to figure it out. So that's how it was. I, I went into Harbor Freights. I go in there, and I'm, but I want to act like I know what I'm doing. So I was like, hey, um, walk up to the cashier and go, hey, uh, can you tell me where the hammer drills are? Know why we talk like that, but it just makes you sound like you know what you're doing in Oklahoma. He's like, Oh, yeah, right over on aisle one. I'm like, Oh, thank you, buddy. I go walking over to aisle one. There's a lot of drills here. <laughs> I spot the hammer drills, there's four of them, and I'm like, There's four. Which one do I? I don't even know which one to get. And so I'm like, I take a step back, hoping someone will come in, pick up one of the drills, and then I'll just get that one. No one comes, and I've got to pick a drill, so I do. I pick the best one I think that there is. Which one do you think I picked? The cheapest one. That's right. Somebody over here yelled cheapest one. That's right. Got the cheapest one, went home. Oh, my goodness. I went to drill the hole. Vroom, 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 vroom. Within five minutes, every hole was drilled. Put the rail up. It is rock solid, people. I'm going to say that again because I need some love. It is rock solid, people. There we go. Two days later, not what you think, two days later, uh, Laura's mom says to me, hey, I was talking to Skip Neal, and Skip was, I was telling him about you putting the handrail in. Skip said he has all the tools, and he's done it hundreds of times, and he would love to help you. Well, that's great. Two days after the project, where was Skip when I needed him? You know how much time and frustration and energy I would have saved if Skip had just been there? All around us, people are trying to figure out life. Every day they're waking up and they're asking, why am I here? What am I doing? 
and they're walking through life faking it. And they're watching others, hoping that they're going to show them, well, that must be what I need to do. And they follow them because that looks like the right way to do, right way to go. What am I supposed to be doing? Why am I here? What is this all about? And, and they just don't know what they're supposed to be doing. And they're using all the wrong tools. They're getting all this bad advice. And they're getting nowhere. They're frustrated. They're discouraged. They're confused. They're, they're just kind of wandering aimlessly. And you and I have what the world needs and what they are seeking. Can I get an amen on that? Come on, turn to somebody and tell them, I have what you need. I have what you need. You're welcome, husbands and boyfriends. You're welcome for that one right there. So you've been wanting to say that for a long time. I have what you need. I want you to write this down. This is where we're going to go for a few minutes. My primary purpose, my primary purpose is to awaken God's purpose in people. That's why we're here. That's why you're alive. Because people need hope and healing and peace and purpose, and they're only going to find it in Jesus. And your primary purpose and my primary purpose is not just the preacher's purpose, but it's all of us together All of us, we are missionaries on mission, assigned to a mission field. And my primary purpose is to awaken God's purpose in people. And so here in this story, this is exactly what Peter and John did in Acts chapter 3. They're they're going to the temple, and they come across this this, uh, man who is crippled. He's been crippled since birth, and he's always being laid right next to the temple. And it says this in verse 3, when he... When he saw Peter and John about to enter, he asked them for some money. Think about this for a moment. This man has no real future. His purpose has been reduced to begging for change. So many people in this world, their purpose has been reduced to, well, I get up and and if I got kids, I get them ready and I'm off to school and then I get to work and hopefully maybe I can get a few more hours or if I work just a little bit harder, I might get get a raise or maybe I just might get a a promotion or if this job doesn't work out, maybe I maybe get another job and hopefully, hopefully I can, hopefully I can pay some bills. Their purpose never rises above a paycheck. Their life, like this man, has has no real meaning. This guy, he's just surviving. He's been paralyzed since birth, and he's kind of accepted his lot in life. I I think this has happened to so many people. They've been paralyzed emotionally and mentally early in life. And since then, they think they have life... I mean, they're just, they've been told they're no good. They've been told, you don't have any talent. You don't have what it takes. You don't have the right pedigree. I mean, you do, you're, you're never going to amount to anything. Maybe that's words you heard from a teacher or a parent or somebody in a, in a schoolyard somewhere. And I think so many adults are stuck back in sixth grade. Anybody remember sixth grade? Some of you in here today, you're in sixth grade. You're like, oh, yeah, I don't know, sixth grade. You don't want to get stuck in sixth grade. I, I remember sixth grade, man. Just tra- You remember that? You're trying to fit in, trying to do the right thing, trying to look good. And I, I remember walking in the first day, and I got my Nikes on, and, uh, but they're not Nikes. They're the Nikes with the upside-down swoosh. My mom's like, no one will notice, honey. They're 50% off. I need you to get these. They'll be good. No one's going to see. Everyone saw 
And you're told, they're told in that moment, you don't matter for nothing. Nothing's ever going to come good in your life. This is as good as it's going to get. And they don't know. They don't know that God has a purpose and meaning for their life, that he has something for them and so much more, and that he wants to set them free from all of the lies, all the hypocrisy, all the hate, all the anger, all the, dis, dis, uh, all, just the, all the things that have belittled them in their life. God came to set you free from all of that. It's crazy is this guy sitting right next to the gate called beautiful. <laughs> How ironic is that? Because this guy's life is anything but beautiful. It, 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 beautiful, it, it's close, but it's, it's just out of reach. I, I think that describes so many people. A beautiful life is just out of reach. And what's crazy is about the time you get there, the world moves the line. If you, you, know, if you just, just get the promotion, and then you get the promotion, all right, life's beautiful, well, for a while. I get, I get, get the new job. I, I, if, I, if you just put your kids in this sport or this activity, and, and you do, and then they're, oh, and then you, what else we get? Oh, and then they're. Oh, but they need to be on. Oh, they got to be on the traveling team. They, they got to be on the traveling team. You get them on the traveling team. You're like, this is it. Life is beautiful. And then they're like, oh, no, I got to get them a scholarship. Now I got to get them a scholarship. And, 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 and the world is, is constantly moving the line. You're like, man, if I, if I just get a new house, if I just get a new car, if I, if I just get a, a new spouse, if I just get rid of my spouse, then life will be beautiful. And anybody who's ever been there and done that, you know that that is a lie because once you get there, what happens? The world moves the line. God never moves the line. In fact, God stepped across the line. He, he came to us in the person of Jesus. And Jesus said this when he came to us in John 14, 6. He said this, I am the way. I'm the truth. I, I'm the one that can give you life. I'm the one who can, you can find purpose and meaning in. And I believe Jesus is calling you and he's calling me to step across that line in people's lives and awaken them to the purpose that God has for them. Come on, turn to somebody tell them, step across the line. It's about time you step across the line. No, some of y'all just turned and said, you have crossed the line. I'm telling you right now, you just crossed the line. Not that kind of line. Go to verse 5. Verse 5 says this, the lame man looked at them eagerly, expecting some money. But Peter said, I, I don't have any money, but I'll give you what I have. In the name of Jesus Christ the Nazarene, say it with me, what? Get up and walk. I think when it, when it comes to helping people, we think we have nothing to offer. Well, I mean, I, I don't have the education. I don't have the training. I don't have the pedigree. I don't have the title. I don't, I don't, I don't have the resources. But what you do have is more powerful and more valuable than all of those things combined. 
Peter said, I don't have much. But I'll tell you what I do have. He had the power of Jesus. You have the power of Jesus running through your bones. You have more than anything the world could ever lay at your feet. Matthew Henry was a, a preacher and, and a theologian in the late 1600s. He said this, and you might want to write this down. We go forth in the name and power of Jesus Christ. And I, I, let, let's say this together as a church, because this is who we are as a church. Say it with me. We go forth in the name and power of Jesus Christ. Now I want you to say it like Jesus is alive in you, that you have tapped into resurrection power, that although I am weak, he is strong. Now I want you to say it so that God and heaven can hear you. Let's say, we go forth in the name and power of Jesus. Christ. That's who you are. That's how you can stand with your shoulders squared. That's how you can walk with confidence. Oh, that's what they said about me. That's what they did to me. That's what happened to me. But I am not that because I have been made new by the power of Jesus and the cross and resurrection power. I love this story out of Luke chapter 10. Jesus is gathering some of his followers together, about 70 of them, and, and he says to them, hey, that man, the, the harvest is great, but I don't have very many people that will go. So it's like a church service like this. It's like he gathered all the church people together, and he said, hey, man, there is a lot of people out there, and they don't have much hope. They need healing, and they need peace, and they need purpose but I just don't have a lot of people that'll get out of these seats and go do that. Will you? And these 70 or so, they said, uh, yeah. He said, all right, go. And it says in the scripture, when they came back, they were mesmerized. They said, even the demons obey us when we use your name. You go forth in the power and the authority of Jesus. That's the name that is backing you. There is power in the name of Jesus. When you come across somebody that is lame, that is hurting, that has been wounded in this world, you have the power and you have the authority to stand there with them and say, rise and walk, my friend. And guess what? Miracles still happen. You have that kind of power. Turn to somebody and tell them, you got that power in you. You got that power in you. This is what Jesus did for you. This is what he did for me. Do you remember being crippled by the pain? Do you remember the weight of your sin so heavy that you were paralyzed? Do you remember that? Wow. And Jesus came along in the midst of all of that, and he pointed a finger at you and said, you deserve everything. Be damned to hell. Get away from me, sinner. No. No. That is not our Jesus. If you've heard that to be our Jesus, if that's the way you're treating our Jesus, man, you stop. It is wrong. That is not who Jesus is. He didn't come to condemn. He didn't come to damn people. He came to set us free. 
like Peter knew it. And Peter reached out his hand like this. He's saying, no, this is, this is who Jesus is. And he reached down for this person, and you were crippled, and Jesus came to you. And the whole reason you're sitting here, and the whole reason you celebrated baptism is because you remember. Uh, this is where I was, and man, Jesus came to me, and he helped me up, and his mercy and grace... I didn't deserve it. I don't, I, I don't know how I could ever get it. I didn't think he'd come near me. God, don't come near me. You, you, there's no way he can save me. Yet he did. And he poured out grace, mercy, and compassion, and, and love overflowing and overwhelming on your soul. Come on, somebody say amen to that. This is who our Jesus is. Verse 7, Peter looked at the man Excuse me, he took the man by the right hand and say it with me, he what? Helped him up. You need a job description? Circle that in your Bible. That's my job description to help people up. What am I? Man, Jesus, oh, God help me. What am I supposed to do tomorrow? God help me to know what to do this day. Just write this down. Help people up. If that's all you do the rest of your days, like you spend the rest of your days, that's all you do is just help people up. You're going you're gonna to stand before Jesus one day, and he's going to go, you got it. You did it. Thank you. Help people up. And as, as he did, the man's feet and ankles were instantly healed, and they were, they were strengthened because this, this is what our purpose is. This is why we exist. This is why we are here, to, to take people by the hand and, and help them up and walk over and take somebody else by the hand and, and help them up and walk over and say, man, hey, and, and help them Help them to their feet. But this is not what people expect in an us versus them world. Laura and I, a couple of weeks ago, we went to see We the Kingdom at the Oklahoma State Fair. And we come out of the concert, amazing concert, Power of God, and just beautiful. It was just fun, and they're an incredible band. And we come out of that, and we're pulling out onto the main street, and it's two lanes, and there's this car, that's, uh, and, and, um, and it was about 25 yards off, and and they were in the other lane, and so I decided I'm going to pull out, but I'm going to pull in the other lane. And as I did that, as she pulled up, and I say she because it's always a woman that does this, laid on her horn. I'm kidding, by the way. I'm just kidding. So lays like, Nate, it's not us, okay? But I, no, this, I don't know who it was. I don't know if it was a guy. I was there. Laid on their horn. I wasn't in their lane. I, there was no danger of an accident. So what do you think I did? Because I am an ordained minister of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Saved by the grace and mercy of our Lord and Savior. Just went to a spirit-filled concert where God's presence was thick and rich. And I came. I laid on my horn. <laughs> Tell me. Wait. wait, wait, wait. <laughs> Laura can confirm that's what I was doing. And he me, I was like, what am I, what am I doing? What's wrong, what's wrong with me? This is. But that, that's our... That's our that's our impulse reaction. All of us, because you have this thing called a sin nature. You have this natural impulse. It's us versus them. You did this to me, I'm going to do this to you. You said this, I'm going to say this. You posted this, I'm going to post that. You get to work and you're like, I'm not going to tell anybody about this thing because if they know about it, then they, I, want this, I want the credit. I, want, I need the promotion. And, I, and so we withhold things. 
and we step on people and we step over people and that's the way of the world but that is not the way of Jesus and that is certainly not the way of core church. We are not us versus them. In this church, we are us for them. We, we don't want something from somebody. We want something for somebody. Amen? This is who we are. This is what we are about. This crippled man, Peter, reaches down his hand, and the guy looks up like, seriously? Like, you, I can't. I am walk my whole life. You want, me to, you want me to stand? I mean, think about the whole situation. Not like the guy went, oh, hallelujah, there's the day. I don't think that's how it went down. I think he reached down, and the guy was like, what? But when Peter and John reached down, I think they were reaching down to help this man believe. And that's what you and I are doing is we're reaching down and we're helping people believe. We have that power, the power to help people believe. Hey, I, I know you've been abused, but let me tell you about a friend who will heal you. I, 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 know, that, I know that you've been rejected, but I want to I tell you about my Jesus, and, and, and man, he will never, ever reject you. And I, I know the scars that you carry. I, I, I know that, that you, you've been taken advantage of. And, but, 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 but Jesus, he will never take advantage of you. And we're leading people to that Savior. In verse 8, it says this. He jumped up, stood on his feet, and began to walk. And say this sentence with me. It's so beautiful. Then walking leaping and praising God, he went into the temple with them. This is what purpose looks like. A walk turns into a leap, turns into dancing. I mean, come on, somebody. Turns into dancing. I mean, that, that's what we are. That's why we are here. That's what this is all about. This is what our purpose is, is to help people learn to walk, get them where they're leaping. And what, when you know somebody has found their purpose, I mean, what is God? God has helped you to dance again, right? I mean, you have learned how to dance. And our job is to help other people learn how to dance again. So we are wrapping up this month of nine years of ministry and celebrating nine amazing years, but some of you have been a part of this journey a lot longer than that, and you know that this journey and this history runs really deep. Over 21 years, by the way. And for 20, over 21 years, it's been all about helping people learn how to dance. None of us would be here if it wasn't for Dr. Dave McKellips and the vision that he had. He was my pastor. I was a Sunday school teacher and I was working at a radio station and I was sitting on his board at the church and taught a little Sunday school class and he told this dream he had of starting a new church and, and I remember sitting there in that board meeting. I sat he went right to his left and, and I just remember just kind of going... <clears throat> Laughing, not saying out loud, but, but in, inside I was saying, that's the dumbest idea I have ever heard in my life. Like Tulsa needs another church. This is Jesus Disneyland. We don't need another church. And then I thought it was funny because God said to me, um, if another quick trip opened, Brad, would you be happy about that? And I went, yeah, you can never have enough quick trips. Can I get an amen from God's people? 
That's the gospel truth right there. And he said, well, if there's not enough quick trips, he said, why would there, is there such a thing, Brad, as too many churches? There's no such thing as too many churches. There's too many Christians that need to slow it down. And I remember God tapping me on the shoulder and said, uh, you're going to go. And there was a group of us that met with the founding pastor, Brett Rickey, in Owasso, Oklahoma, just up the road. We met in his house, about a dozen of us. A few of you, I think, were in that meeting. And he cast this vision about helping people discover hope and healing and peace and purpose and rising and walking. I said, man, I want to be a part of that. And that 12 turned into a group of like 70 or so. And, and we started, and we were at the Union 6th, 7th grade center, and then we were at the high school. And, and what's so beautiful is some of you in these chairs, uh, you learn to, to walk and to leap and to dance in a school. Like you're here today and you're like, oh my goodness, yes, I remember. I remember where I was. I remember when it happened and I, I, I began to leap and, and I began to dance. And, and then in 2008, God does it all over again. And God says, now I want you to go to East Tulsa and I want you to do this thing all over again. And so Laura and I gathered with a group of people in our living room of about 12. And, and some of you were, a few of you were in that, that huddle and we talked about this idea of helping people learn how to dance. And, and that group formed and grew and we started meeting at Rosa Parks Elementary School and then we met at the Green Country Event Center and, and, and what was amazing is some of you are here today because you remember it was at Rosa Parks that, that you rose and walked and found the forgiveness and the healing and the grace and the mercy of Jesus in that gymnasium and, and you started walking and leaping and dancing and some of you were at the Green Country Event Center and I remember, I remember, I remember baptizing them and I remember seeing them come because their family invited them on an Easter Sunday and then now they're playing guitar in our band. And, and then, while we were in East Tulsa, um, the founding pastor, he, Brett Ricky, he, he went to Florida. God called him to a church in Florida. And, and over a course of a few years, uh, the family churches fell on some really difficult, difficult days. But what I love is some of you were a part of that, and you never stopped dancing. Oh, it got hard, and it got really difficult, and it was dark, but you're like, ain't, no, ain't nothing going to keep me from dancing. I'm going to keep dancing, and I'm going to keep dancing, and I'm going to keep dancing. And then we had this crazy call from Dr. Dave McKellips, the one who started the whole journey for us, and he said, what if you brought the two churches together in 2012? We, we came together nine years ago, and we started dancing together. And some of you are in these seats today. And over these last nine years, you've, you've learned to walk, you've learned to leap, and you, you've learned to dance. The truth is our story isn't nine years, it's not 21 years. Our journey is over 2,000 years because it started at the cross and the resurrection of our Savior and guys like Peter and guys like John and women like Mary and Martha who said, I'm gonna dance. And we've been dancing as the church for 2,000 years, and we'll keep dancing. Now it's our turn 
to take our place. Our, our names and our stories are going to be written into Scripture. Our stories to be told. Man, let's help people dance. Let's help them dance. Will you stand?